Welcome to Pivot to First. Hi, I'm Mike Seidel. I'm the CTO at Pivot CX. Every day I get to work with some of the brightest minds in the industry with one goal, turning hiring and people strategy into a competitive advantage. Hi, today I'm joined by Dominic Antonio. I'm really excited to have Dominic on. Dominic is actually um, our, our manager of ad advertising operations here at Pivot CX. And Dominic every day gets to work with all of our customers and helps our customers that need uh, advertising help on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and other platforms really get the most out of their ad spend. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because right now it's really, really hard to find people out there. And a lot of people um, really make mis a big set of mistakes right away when it comes to job advertising. So Dominic, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. I know you and I've been working for like, like uh, four years together. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, welcome. thanks Mike for the, yeah. Thanks for the introduction. Thanks for the welcome. I'm definitely excited to talk about recruitment advertising, living it. We live it day in, day out. We're, there's a lot, so many customers that we're helping out with and there's, I would like to begin this off by just saying there's so much low-hanging fruit, you could say, in the world of recruitment advertising. Simple things people can keep in mind when they're advertising on job boards. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about, uh, especially Indeed today, but there are so many little things that you know every recruiter could learn. You know, just to kind of kick things off, um, one of the things always is amazing to me and, you know, I'm, I'm back there building the product mm -hmm. and I come out once in a while and I look at, at what's going on with, you know, customers, job ads, and I look at, look at the ads. How much of a difference is there between a job description that you use in-house to describe what the functions of the job is and what a job ad that you post on Indeed? What, what difference yes, is there? There right? is definitely a difference. And um, actually the first time I learned about this difference between job description and job ad was from a very different place than recruiting. We were actually doing a project with a bunch of students at, from university in Toronto or something. And I was helping them out with um, putting together like a recruitment project. I was like the business advisor, so to say, to these students. And the, the professors, you would always like nail it into the student's head that remember, it's not job descriptions, it are job ads. Job ads are not job descriptions. It's like, you know what? She actually knows more about recruiting than most recruiters. And that's probably why she's a professor of business there at that school. Because when you're writing out these, um, when the students are writing out these job ads, they looked like regular job descriptions. You know, they're very straightforward. These are the requirements. This is what you need. It's, it's very focused on screening out and sort of saying like, this is the ideal candidate. And what job descriptions fail to do is they fail to sell, which is what we try to focus on with job ads. You have to sell candidates. Absolutely. So, so you know, and, and, and we see this all the time, and I know I've snuck over to your desk more than once where I've, mm -hmm. I've came over and go, hey, Dominic, take a look at this ad. Um, it, it describes the perfect candidate. It describes mm -hmm. them. And it describes all the requirements. But the one thing it doesn't do is anything to attract that candidate. Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's like um, if you no no one goes out dating saying this is like the perfect person. Now, let me go find this perfect person, but rather, OK, who do I have to work with and how can I attract people? How can I um, in the world of recruiting that is like how can I get people at least in the door? What's going to make them click? So it's like a lot of marketing mentality for sure needs to go in recruiting. Um, and that's definitely spurred on by the fact that we're in a candidate market. 
not so much an employer's market anymore. Yeah, that is a, that is a big, big change. And, and it's something that makes those job ads so much more important because it's hyper competitive out there. And, mm-hmm. and if your copy in that job ad doesn't grab people's attention, it doesn't matter if you put it on Indeed or ZipRecruiter, mm-hmm. it just didn't go to work, right? No, um, it, it's not just a job copy either. It's you're looking at job titles. They're become much more relevant. You're looking at badges, for example, on job boards. Job boards often like to put badges on jobs to say, this is easy to apply. This is a remote position. This is a responsive employer, for example. And those are all things that, you know, employers might not think of as right away. But when when I would go in and, for example, and mimic the job speak, seeker experience, those are the things that jump out right away. Those little badges, the first sentence, what this title says, um, for titles, for example, we find a huge difference between saying like an, an entry level position versus like an experienced position or using very niche um, names that no one's ever heard of, like this electric electronic technician, assembler, maintenance technician or something for this one <laughs> job title that no one knows. No one's going to be looking for that kind of have to play the SEO game there. Yeah, that, that brings that brings me it brings me to a couple things. So, so you know, a job ad um, mm-hmm. it has two audiences, right? It's one one audience is the job seeker and and making it so we're attracting the person to actually apply, right? Mm-hmm. And the other audience for the for that job ad is actually the job board search engine. Uh, I never thought about that that way, but yes, that totally makes sense because. Um, when I look at Indeed, for example, and you're putting your jobs out there, I'll take one example from a client just from this week. So this is fresh. You know, we, we did the test. We had field operations technician. Now, that's a very generic name. We weren't getting more apply, many applies. We had only uh, one qualified candidate in the, a week or so. And we said, OK, let's take this. Let's break it down to what this position actually is. And then let's put some words in it that people are actually looking for. So then once we learned more about the position by talking with the client, we learned that, okay, it is technically an oil purification technician. That's what they're working on. They're working with oil. So we put that in the job title. Next week, we got eight, nine qualified candidates. And that was the only thing we changed was that job title. It's like, okay, people, field operations technician, that sounds really vague. Um, None of those things tells me what this job is doing. But if I have experience in the oil industry and I'm in Texas, hey, I'm going to look up those keywords. You know, I'm I'm really glad that you you got a big result out of that because it definitely helps a client out. But one Mm -hmm. thing that's really important about what you just said is, you know, in those job titles, you really, you know, should you be using your internal job title or should you go ahead and figure out what people who actually match up with those requirements, what they're going to look Mm -hmm. for? Yeah, I have no, um, has, I do not hesitate uh, talking to clients about, you know, let's change up this job title if it's not getting clicks or if like even I don't understand what that job title actually is. Or one of them, for example, is like research and design engineer. And all they were looking for was just a design engineer, not necessarily research and development. That, that sounds like you're in some academic setting or something. So we took that off and said, hey, we start getting more applies. Another one was like a painter assistant. Now, it sounds like if a painter assistant needs to have experience painting, like they're going to be doing painting work. But when we learned about the job, it's actually he's an assistant to the painter. He's just like carrying things and 
carrying tools to and fro one location to the other. Like, oh, that's like an entry level labor position or something like that. So, um, well, I, yes, definitely helps. I remember one a long time ago that we had that was um, um, it was like a, a feel like it was a uh, what was it? It was an environmental remediation manager position. Yes. And that was a position where like you were expected to go out in the field uh, with big rubber boots on and, and go mm -hmm. supervise things, you know, like people actually digging in the dirt and stuff. And people would see that job and the people that were applying thought that they were going to work in an office and move data around on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. It's like, and that's maybe HR trying to spice up the position a little. Um, it's like janitors, for example, all of a sudden start getting the job title, like environmental maintenance or something like that. I remember seeing that on one of my clients. It's like, okay, um, that sounds great and everything, but you know, that I'm an environmental technician and not a janitor, but as far as the job boards go, that, that's what people are looking for. So it's like job title is just like one thing. We talked about job title. Um, we talked about labels on jobs. Um, another thing we can always talk about, I know you like to always bring out like the first paragraph. What's your first sentence um, on your job description or your job ad? And because that's what people are going to read, honestly. So people, I think people, when they read a job ad, that first paragraph, that's where they make the decision. Am I going to apply mm -hmm. or not? And uh, it's amazing how many job ads we see coming here from new clients that start with, our company was founded in 1822. Yes. <laughs> and um, they give the history the, of the, the company. Paragraph. Yeah, it's like all about it's all about me and my company and not mm -hmm. about you, the person that I want to recruit. Mm -hmm. It's like not about you and why you would want to apply to this position. Um, and that could be, you know, you could highlight whatever may, one of the main benefits to that position. You could say like, oh, there's an entry level position, but we're willing to train you uh, to become something else. Or for example, to be to be successful in this role, yeah. rather that that's going to work a lot better rather than what we see on many job ads, job descriptions, which is the person in this role will be successful if they you know, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's like a whole list of things, which honestly are just like preferences from the hiring manager and not even real requirements. So. So let's let's really get into, you know, uh, the meat of this thing, which really is is we're going to talk a little bit about Indeed. And I'm going to start off with a question that that I think everybody asks, because almost everybody, if, if you're hiring, you probably have ads out on the, in Indeed. Mm -hmm. um, it is easily the number one uh, job board and and it is really if you look at the entire recruitment marketing space the number one source of applicants um you know so if i'm looking at indeed um one thing that, that that's always been remarkable to me is when you onboard a new client the one thing they don't know is how they should spend on Indeed. how do you figure that out how do you spend on indeed it's I like to always say, let's keep the goal in mind. So what are you looking at to hire? And then you go from your hires and you build down from there. And it's very important to understand that funnel from hire to from apply. So in between, there are a lot of little steps and it's important to understand the conversion metrics for those steps. So for example, for every hire, how many people are you interviewing? Okay, I might interview four to six people. 
out of those people interviewing, how many like qualified candidates do you need to present to the hiring manager to get an interview? Let's say I need 10 to 20 candidates, like 20 candidates in order to get six good interviews. Um, out of those six, 20 good candidates, how many applies are you going to need? Well, I'm going to need another 40, 60, 80 applies because I know people are going to drop off. People are not going to apply. They're not qualified. So at that point, you've gone from like two hires to 80 applies. You take your 80 so applies. So you applies you got to get, right? So I've got 80 of those. And then Indeed doesn't really sell you applies. They sell you clicks, right? So you've got to make one mm -hmm. more calculation. That's the hardest calculation because you're never quite sure. You're, paying, you're kind of playing a bit of a gambling game sometimes. You cannot, like, we we're an agency with Indeed, but the CX is an agency with Indeed, so we can get some market data on, you know, what's the, what's the going cost per apply for this position for this area, for example. Many employers are not going to have access to that sort of data unless they actually ran the campaigns. So on a side note, that's like a big advantage we have as an agency, I would say for sure. Um, is that well, I think I think what you're saying, Doc, it's really I think you're bringing up a really important point, which is, you know, if you're self-service buying job ads on Indeed or other job boards, there is a whole world of data that unless you're a really, really big spender, you know, I'm talking about, you know, fifty thousand dollars a month. You don't have access to all the decision making data that a recruitment marketing agency will have. Um, you know, when, when you go in and we bring in a new client and, and you have indeed pull the numbers, um, we always find out some really amazing things when we look at like like company X's indeed spend. It starts with they thought they were spending six thousand dollars, but they were really spending thirteen thousand. And the reason why was yeah, sure. HR was spending six thousand dollars on recruiting, but every plant location around the U.S. Yeah, they all had their own credit card. Com, right? so, with their credit card. Yeah, and then, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a whole nother point we could bring up is you know how to centralize your indeed spend, so to say. It's like why and why that's important because if you're just a recruiter with your credit card, you're gonna advertise for like twenty job applies. Your your data set on understanding that position is your 20 job applies. And that's like, you can't do much research out of that, you know, your own little data set. But if you centralize it, then we can look across like, you know, all locations, all jobs. You can shift your budget from where it needs to go to different jobs. And, you know, it's an economy of scale type thing, type issue. So, so, you know, if I'm out there and I'm, I'm spending money on Indeed, let's say I'm, I, I'm spending a couple thousand dollars a month. I think it's probably, you know, if you're just buying a thousand dollars a month worth of Indeed ads, there's probably not much an agency is going to be able to do for you. But, you know, two, three thousand yeah. a month, you're probably in the zone where it makes sense. What what really um, what's the big difference between, you know, an agency helping you with Indeed and doing it yourself? Doing it yourself, you're going to make mistakes, that's for sure. Um, it's, oh yeah, I, because I, I, we, we've talked to clients before, and we would ask them about their Indeed spend. You know how many jobs are advertising, and they never know really. They know, oh, we spent like five hundred bucks last month. It's very, I would say, impulsive buying. You know, it's like, oh, this hiring manager is getting on my back, so let's go spend five hundred dollars in the credit card, see what happens. You know, because you feel like you're being pressured. That's why we, I always like to advocate, you know, make sure you have a budget set aside for your, you know, your recruitment advertising. That's some first time clients. That's like, you know, a step forward for sure. Um, that's well, that's it, one it, difference. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, one thing that we saw, you know, we, you and I have seen many times is we'll, we'll work with a client that's been buying their own Indeed ads, and then we'll go work with, you know, we'll go work with Indeed. And, and one of the nice things about having that agency relationship is we're able to go work with the same team at Indeed that's doing huge, you know, huge buys for huge companies. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back with a report that shows us a couple of things that, that um, you just don't get if you're, you're on your own on Indeed. One is... Um, in every local market that you're in, they'll tell you exactly what the bid levels are to get the number of candidates that you want to get. Um, so it's, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you go from kind of flying blind on Indeed to almost cheating. <laughs> yes. I mean, it definitely helps when you know what your CPA is. Uh, obviously, you know, if you um, Indeed, it, it sells on CPC, your cost per click, and that's what you can control. But your CPA is always going to be a bit different. It could be $20, you'd be $60, it could be over over 100. At that point, you might not even have a job market if, that, if it's that high. But um, definitely, it's like, if you know that this position is has been getting, you know, $25 CPA for the past two months, and then all of a sudden there's a new opening, well, you can make the calculation pretty quickly and say, okay, this is how much budget we need to put on this job. That, that happens a lot for sure. You know, client, they come up with new positions and they say, okay, how much money should I put on Indeed? Should I just put on what feels comfortable? And I've, we've seen that a lot for sure. It's right where the clients well, say. I think, I think a lot of times we have like, um, I think the rule of thumb has been with, with clients when they're doing it, uh, kind of doing it by what's comfortable, they're either too low or way too high and rarely like right where they need to be. And yeah. the, the funny thing is we can just ask Indeed and go, hey, Indeed, what do we need? You know, if I'm looking for warehouse associates in Las Vegas, Nevada, you know, what's that market look like? What do the competitive bids look like? What is the candidate count that's available in that market? Um, so that I understand, you know, I can make some decisions and go, okay, you need 200 candidates. You know, I, I okay, how much does it cost to get 200 people? And, yeah, and, and be realistic with the cost. Money. Yeah, be realistic with the cost as well. Most employers, I would say, are underspending, um, either because they just don't realize that you know to get many applicants, it really does cost money in this job market. Um, well, especially for hyper-competitive job titles. You know, if you're talking about nurses or you're talking about uh, truck drivers and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you, you you really do need to know what the market rates are. Otherwise you're going to, you can bid all day and you'll get five or six apply. You'll get yeah. a few apply in, but you're not going to get, you know, this big flood of candidates that you were no. expecting. Right. Yeah. You could throw a thousand dollars at your job and think, Oh, that, that was good work days work. But then you have other competitors, they're spending, you know, eight to 10 K easily on the same positions. And so, yeah, you're, you're, your bids aren't going to do much. That's, that's a little five hundred dollars spend isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, at that point, you might as well just keep to organic postings. Yeah, which which leads to something kind of interesting because once in a while this happens. Like like we hire a lot of people um, to to be on our chat team, and mm-hmm. um, sometimes there are there are jobs where there's a huge abundance of candidates. There are jobs job titles, and there are things. 
um, where, where we can advertise um, adjacent to the job title. So for, for our uh, people that are on our chat team, we call them candidate development reps. And what they really are is that they're, they're recruiters that specialize in what happens between a job application and an interview. So they're not doing like this full spectrum uh, recruiting thing where they're presenting candidates to the hiring manager and all that. They're doing the top part of that, the top part of the recruiting funnel. Yeah. And so instead of that, we used to advertise for call center people and we made a shift to recruiting for junior recruiters. Mm -hmm. And amazingly, there was a ton of organic traffic. Yeah. Um, I remember even when we were advertising that software developer position, we got all the candidates just off organic traffic. Um, and that's the, another thing, like just bringing it, since we brought up the top of, of organic traffic, that's one thing employers and even me at the beginning, you know, have a hard time understanding, which is organic versus sponsor traffic on Indeed and some of these job boards. So the rule of thumb, and this is like really getting down to the meat of job board advertising is there can only be one source of truth, but there can be as many opinions as you want. <laughs> In other words, you can always you can you only get one source of truth for free, and you can pay for as many opinions as you want. And what that means, and in, in, in indeed speak, so to say, is that you can have one organic job, and then if you want to do duplicates of that job, they, they only get visibility if they're sponsored. So, for example, if you have ten openings, you put your ten openings on Indeed. If you're the only company on Indeed, you know if you represent the those 10 positions and you're the hiring manager you're the hiring employer then you can get you know organic visibility and everything now let's say if your other recruiter wants to go and post those same positions with their credit card or something on another indeed account then technically their indeed trap their jobs are in conflict with yours because now you have a duplication thing going so their jobs aren't going to get any organic visibility only if they pay money on it are they going to get that sponsored visibility and so that's another thing where you can be really hindering your own efforts when you're running four or five different indeed accounts they're all trying to advertise the same job or something or the same for the same location for sure is that you're conflicting it's like okay which ones are getting organic which ones are getting sponsored and there could be jobs that have been taken down by indeed or like struck down by their quality team <laughs> they're very rigorous quality team as we know um because there's that duplication going on so you know, okay, so we, we brought this up twice, I think, man, like managers out there in the field that are um, just kind of posting jobs with their credit card. Mm -hmm. It has a big impact, right? How, how do you get control of that? How, how is it, you know, if I, if I, my company, I've got 18 locations and I'm pretty sure I got 18 indeed spends going on. What, what, what do I do about it? Well, you got to get, you know, put reins around the horses here and rein in the spending for sure. Um, get in touch with your Indeed account manager. Um, for us, we, you know, as, as an agency, what we do is we get permission, written permission from the client. Then we go to our Indeed account agency rep. We collect like, okay, who are all the people spending on this account, so to say? And it could be like one client, it was like three to four different Indeed accounts were spending money to post jobs on behalf of this one company. And so we say, okay, we got these people all posting jobs. 
let's centralize that. So they don't have to post jobs anymore. They just send the jobs to a central person. They get the jobs posted out. That way you can control your organic visibility. You can control your budget and you're not handling four different expense reports, but rather one, you know, focused budget. Well, the other thing that goes with this too, is that um, you don't have a bunch of random different job descriptions out there and a bunch of different job ads. And that I've seen be a compliance problem for things like EEOC and OFCCP. A lot of times the people out in the field don't know what the compliance rules are. They're really well-intentioned. They're trying to make a good hire. Mm -hmm. They get something wrong in the ad and um, that opens a Pandora's box. Yeah. So, you know, having some level of management of your Indeed advertising and centralizing that really makes a lot of sense from a compliance standpoint, too. But, you know, you know, one of the things that always blows me away when you do this and, and we do this, I don't know, probably twice a month. We'll have a client come in and, and you go ahead and pull, have Indeed pull the numbers and, and go back to the client with a report on here's what you're spending on Indeed. Here's what you're getting out of it. Um, they always seem to be really amazed that they were spending a lot more money across their whole company than they thought they were yes okay so case in point one client we had um that was a few years ago so i guess we can talk about it already but they they actually so they signed on with us and they we started advertising the first month and they was like oh my god it's so expensive for not getting so many as many applies as we used to and so we went in and we looked at their, we went in with our Indeed rep. We looked at what was their last month of advertising before us, before we came in. And we compared that to what they're currently spending. And it was like the same amount. They're, they had the exact same CPA. What they were looking at was they conflated the CPA with their CPC before. So they thought, oh, it's a $20 CPA. But before we had a $3 CPA, like, no, you had a $3 CPC. <laughs> so okay, that brings up a really big thing. So there's a couple of things most people don't understand about Indeed. Yeah. One of the ones that always is there is CPA versus CPC. What, what, what's the difference here? Okay. So CPC is cost per click. And that's when you're, you know, you're bidding with your job to show up on in the feed. Then let's say you spent $3 to, for someone to click onto your position. Now, when someone's that's indeed is only going to hold themselves accountable to that, to, to the click. They're not obviously not going to hold themselves accountable to the apply. They got rid of the whole. And they're definitely not going to hold themselves accountable to anything that happens after, after the apply. The yeah, no, nothing like that. And that make kind of makes sense because someone could click on a job, but it's a not a very good job or something. It doesn't pay well or something. And then that person's not going to go through with the apply. So if you ask, you know, indeed is like, Hey, so many people are cl clicking on my job, but no one's actually applying They're, You know, they're going to go by the, the, the script and say, well, make sure you show your benefits, make sure your company page is updated. And by the way, we have these other products you could buy, you know, <laughs> that's when they start selling you products and stuff. But, you know, there are some things you can do to help increase your click through rate, which is make your job look believable for sure. Mm -hmm. The more information you have on it, the better. Salary is a game changer. Putting salary ranges on your jobs, um, putting any sort of labels you can on your job. Make sure your company and D company page is updated because people will click into that and see it's like, okay, who, who is this company? People like to research jobs like that. So that's just some things that come to mind when you brought up that question. No, that's that's they're all that's all really great advice. So 
interesting thing. So that there, as you get into Indeed and things mm -hmm. people know they don't know, there's a lot of things that are really kind of like Indeed mythology out there. So, you know, let's let's talk about a couple of these. One, okay. um, refreshing my jobs. Is that a myth or not? Um, yes and no. So if you're just doing organic posting all by themselves, obviously, you know, there's some truth to that because Indeed is just going to think that, oh, you, that job closed, you put up a new one. So let's put it up to the top of the feed and then it's going to drop down in the feed over time. I would not do that for sponsored ads though. And it's the very good reason for it is the, the ads take time to learn. And that's going to be in like any marketing situation. I know we had this before back when we did display advertising, for example, you know, put it up for some time. Don't make changes right away because it does take time for the system to do its thing, to see like uh, adjust the budgets, adjust their bids. Cause you know, indeed it's bidding on your behalf. So they have to see what, you know, what the competition is out, you know, how much budget this job is actually going to need. And then as you progress, like we actually see it in the number of applies over time, when it's going to start out with a lot of applies and it's going to drop down at first. And then you might be, that's when people get worried like, oh, there's no more applies. Let's refresh the job. No, just wait. It's going to go back. It goes back up and it goes like that as a wave. Um, and we've had jobs up for, you know, these evergreen positions up for long months at a time. And, you know, we're still getting the normal amount of traffic as long as you're responding to your candidates. Um, I would still refresh them as well, like once a month or so, because it does say that this job was posted like 30 days ago or something. So if a job seeker sees that this job was posted three months ago, like, okay, maybe they aren't hiring that for that position or something, or they forgot about it, so I'm not going to apply. So that's another part of the whole make your jobs believable principle there. Okay, so... You know, we, we just got through this whole thing. So on one hand, it's okay to uh, mm -hmm. go ahead and refresh those organic jobs. You don't want to do it too often, but you do want to do it often enough. They look fresh. And as far as the sponsor jobs, what you're saying here is hands off, put them up there, leave them up there, let the algorithm do its thing before you start adjusting them. So how often uh, is too often when it comes to refreshing a job one indeed? Um, I've heard some crazy stories where people are going in like every other day and, you know, taking jobs down, putting them back up, putting in budgets back up and everything. That, that sounds just crazy because um, you're, well, you're losing a lot of time just putting jobs up and down and trying to adjust budgets to make sure they fit into the campaign. I mean, if we like that would be impossible for us to do because like it already takes a day just for the fee to get indexed by Indeed and everything. So, you know. Let's try not to do that. That sounds like you're focusing on the wrong part of your recruiting funnel. There's so many other things you, you could work on. There. Well, and the, the other thing is if you refresh those jobs too often, Indeed's quality team can and will flag the job yes. and it will stop distribution. I so. mean, just look at it from Indeed's point of view. It's like what incentive do they have for people to be refreshing jobs every other day? It, it's it's going to be a quality issue with their content for sure. And so that's the type of thing that their quality team is going to go after. I don't know exactly like internally, like what that looks like, what type of like um, what type of rules to put down to try to stop that out. But I would not be surprised if that's a thing that they, they do not want to try to incentivize. 
Yeah, I think I think they uh, if you refresh too often, what happens is your jobs kind of get shadow banned and you think they're working, but they're just not getting any traffic. Right. Yeah, no, that happens. So um, let's talk about another myth that we hear a lot. And this this is something that comes up almost every time we, we bring on a new customer and they're not getting enough applicants for their job. Um, the, the, I think the myth out there is if I don't put a salary on my job, I'm not going to set an expectation with the candidate and it's easier to recruit them. What happens when you don't put a salary on your job? Oh, yeah, we know that very well because Indeed still going to put a salary on your job and it's going to be the wrong one. That's what's going to happen. Um, every, every job or LinkedIn, Indeed, they have the incentive to put that salary on the job because it's going to increase the click through rate. So if you don't provide your own salary, they're going to make an estimate and they're going to compare so it to when you put it. Don't put the salary on the job, right? Mm -hmm. There's less clicks on that job ad. And I've seen numbers out there from like 14% to 28% difference. So if you put the salary on there, you get like 28% more clicks. And what you're telling me is that the job boards are, they know that. And so if you don't give them a salary, they're going to find a salary from somewhere and show it in the job ad. Yep. What does that look like when they do that? Does it, does it, is it like they put a fake salary in there or do they do something else? It's um, I don't have a screenshot with me right now or anything, but it says uh, like under the needs of job title, it'll say like, Oh, 50 to 65 K and next to it, it would say like indeed estimate, but it'd be like, and abbreviated so you couldn't even tell and we've got several clients come to us and say hey why did you put the wrong salary on my job it's saying 50 to 65k but that's not correct it's you know it could be lower or higher or anything but it's like we didn't put that on there you didn't put it on there indeed put it on there because you didn't provide a salary so it's like either you got to put in it we got to put in a ticket to see it's like okay let's take off that indeed estimate thing or just put up a salary because if you look at your other four competitors in the same feed in the same list, you know, they all have their salaries on there. So that's what people. And really what you're saying is putting, putting the salary in the job is a good idea because you get more applies, right? Yeah, you get more applies. That's the, that's the way it is. And obviously not every employer is going to have the highest salary. So there's like another, um, sort of difficult space there to navigate. It's like, what if I'm the employer, who out of these four employers who pays least, you know, there's always going to be that one employer who pays least. There's always going to be the one employer who pays more. So if you're on that bottom rung, you can still use a range at least, even though it might be a bit skewed to one end or the other. Um, I, it's just very rarely would I ever advise not putting it on. Okay. So other myths, um, you know, I, I see a lot of job ads out there that really go out of their way to be overtly salesy. Like they're, they're like coming up with very creative ways to describe everything. How, how well do those work? Uh, you do have to be careful on Indeed with job titles. So if anything's in the title that's not part of a job title, it will be get banned, <laughs> shadow banned by the quality group. Because uh, for example, you can't put numbers with like pay or bonuses or things like that. So even though it might look really good to say, you know, retail manager, $5,000 sign-up bonus in your job title, you can't do that on Indeed. It, it won't get approved. It, or I think it's like it will get sponsored visibility, but not organic visibility or something like that. 
So, um, so you'll have to pay for all the traffic. And, you know, the, the thing that happens when you do that and you get shadow banned is just basically it looks like everything is working, but you're getting no candidates. Yeah, I think I don't know if exactly how the employer um, interface works, if they do tell you if like jobs not showing or not. So I think it shows on the agency side or it doesn't sometimes. So you do have to look up. It's like, OK, my job's actually showing. Um, that's another thing with reverse searching jobs. That's a tricky business because um, remember, if you're looking up your own positions, Indeed is thinking that you're a job seeker who wants to apply to those positions. But let's say if you're looking at your job every hour, Indeed is thinking, oh, this job seeker is coming to this job a lot. A lot of job seekers are coming to this job, but they're not applying to it. So it must be a bad job or something. So we're that's why so we're not going to show so this job to them I can anymore. look at my job. I can look at my job too much as a as an employer, uh, and then I, I I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. Nobody's going to see it. Well, it's like that. I, I've heard that from the Indeed team. It's like careful with your reverse searching because if you visit a job ten times but you don't apply to it, it's like why would Indeed want to show that to you again? And then you're going to start thinking that your job's not showing on Indeed anymore. Um, so I've always found easiest is, um, this is a nice little tip. If you want to look up the jobs for a company, instead of trying to go through the normal search bar, go to company reviews at the top, look for your company, then go to your company page and then look for the jobs on your company page. And then, you know, if you want that, you're going to get a complete list of all your openings and which ones are getting sort of like the organic visibility rather than trying to go through the normal search engine. Now you can always try to look up jobs um, in an incognito tab for sure. Just, you know, if you want to type in, okay, what's the traffic like for a retail manager in this city? Yeah, you know, go ahead, test that out, see who the big employers are, see what they're posting for job titles. And that's where I get like a lot of inspiration for, okay, let's try out this other job title. Let's make sure we have this salary range or something and things like that. Yeah. That's good advice. So one more question here on Indeed. Mm -hmm. So um, and this this is probably one of the most misunderstood things. So Indeed has a feature called Indeed Apply. And if you look at other job boards, yeah. they all have their own. You know, I think I think that yeah, the native industry apply. We call native apply. Right. Yeah. But um, they all have one. Um, so most companies that have a career site like to take the application on the career site what works better native applies or apply on your career site native apply 100 percent. i mean um think about it, it's like what's going to get the candidate quickest into your funnel it's going to be the native apply they're not leaving to go to a separate um a separate page and they don't have to create another account even like some of these ATS is like Workday and everything. You can go to the ATS, but then you have to create another account in order to log in. And when you're applying to like five, six jobs, and let's say all these six employers, they all use Workday, you're gonna have to create six different Workday accounts in order to apply for these six different positions. So why do that when you can just have Indeed apply and use your one Indeed account to apply to all six positions? So Indeed has every incentive to for employers to use Indeed apply. And then you have, as an employer, every incentive also to use native apply because you're going to be getting more people. It's going to be much easier to apply to your position and, you know, get that get them into the door, so to say. All right. So, you know, kind of looking at this whole thing with ATS apply on my career site versus Indeed apply. Mm -hmm. um, so if I make the jump from 
apply on my career site to uh, indeed apply or, or native apply on the job board. How many more candidates can I expect to get, Dominic? A lot more for sure. You're going to be expecting 23%, I think is the, is the industry number for how many more applies you're going to be getting. And we, we see it too. We, we've had clients switch from going from their ATS, you know, redirect applies to instead going to an Indeed native apply and then screening candidates from there and then inviting them to apply to do that, you know, 20, 30 step application. And it, it's always it's going to be a big lift. I mean, 70% or more, 72%, I think, is the number of applies are on mobile. So in a lot of ATS, as we know, they're not mobile friendly. So even if the company is mobile friendly, they still have, you know, 10, 15 steps that the person is going to have to fill out. Like how many people actually have resumes on their phones anymore that they can upload and stuff like that. So you have to really think like, okay, do I want to get make make the experience as easy as possible to get into the door? And then after that, do your screening, invite them to apply and, you know, don't get married on the first date, as we like to say. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that kind of leads to something really, really important, which which is this, you know, when people are doing that first apply, mm -hmm. that's your opportunity to engage. That's that's when you have the chance to talk to a candidate and get them interested in your company and sell them on the opportunity. And in today's market, if you're not selling the candidate on the opportunity that you have, and you're just going, okay, apply, screen, and then we're going to call you back, mm -hmm. you're going to lose the vast majority of great candidates because they're just not going to wait around for your process. No, I mean, everyone's timing is different too. Uh, the company's timing to make a hire is not the same as the candidate's time to get a job. They could be looking for a job within a week. They could be waiting a month. But so if you're waiting, um, where did I hear it? It was like a Talru that came out with a port last week. Uh, the average time to fill a position for entry-level positions was 44 days. Um, if oh, you're wow. taking 44 days to fill a position, um, you got to think about, you know, candidates are not waiting 44 days to get a job. If, if they, no, got we're, we're out, they got bills to pay, yeah. Yeah, well, we're routinely helping clients hire those exact positions in sometimes two and three days. That's between yes. when job goes up and when the hire is made. In fact, you know, we just, uh, our latest candidate development rep hire that we did for our own company, she applied on a Friday and was hired on Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason you have to go that slow. And if you are going that slow, the best candidates are going to take a job somewhere else and you're going to be picking from the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take a whole change in just the philosophy of recruiting. Um, I know that because this brings into the whole conversation of the relationship between the recruiter and the hiring manager and expectations and, you know, sending candidates back and forth from the ATS to the recruiter, to the hiring manager, back to the recruiting recruiter. Um, so you have to really think of like, okay, where can we make it faster there? Where can we narrow down the decision process? So you're not having four different people interviewing, you know, five candidates for an entry-level position. It's just not necessary anymore. Yeah, well, there's a, a really big underlying principle to all this stuff. And, and um, this is kind of like the, the best kept secret in recruiting. And that's mm -hmm. that even in today's market, 90% of candidates are going to take the very first job that they're offered. 
Yeah. And so if you look at how to how to win in recruiting. Um, it's really simple. You, you, you learn to go faster so that you can pick first. I mean, that's that's really the whole idea here is let's go faster so that the best talent is still available. And the job market isn't going to get less competitive over the next few years. Um, it, it's going to continue to be this way. And so it really is incumbent you know, if you're, on, on you as a business uh, leader at your company to go look at what you're doing today and go, hey, I think we need to change how we're recruiting. This 44 days to make an entry level hire is not going to work. It's not going to be sustainable. It's going to lead to us being short staffed. It's going to lead to us missing orders. It's going to cost us a lot of money. And ultimately, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be melodramatic or anything, but, you know, if you sustainably don't make hires over time, eventually you will be acquired or go out of business. Yep. I mean, that, that's what it is. If you have an open position, you're losing revenue on that position. So, yeah, yeah, that's when you think of your cost per hire. I think that in the same report, they also said the average cost per hire was like $670 or something. And mm -hmm. I think that's a bit of a low number because when you take into account, um, first of all, the advertising for the position, you're spending three to $400 per job. You have to look at the time spent, like, some companies they love to throw lots of people into the interview process and like that's man well, hours I've, seen, interview, I've hour. seen interviews that cost 600 700 bucks just on the, the, the just time for the one the hour three managers that are in the room for two hours yes that and then you're looking at what's your opportunity cost for the uh that position that's not being filled you know that's a mechanic that could have serviced four cars today or something every day you wait to get that position filled so you're looking at you're looking at thousands by then of your cost per hire. So, you know, just kind of wrap things up for, for at least this part of our conversation, you know, yeah. if you are out there and you want to talk to Dominic and you want to learn more about, you know, how to better get control of that recruitment ad spend, and if you're spending over a thousand dollars, probably under 15,000 a month, um, really uh, go to pivotcx.io mm -hmm. and hit the contact us button and and uh, ask about uh, recruitment advertising. Tell us a little bit about what the budget is that you've got and, and what you think might be wrong. And, and we'll see if we can't get you into a conversation with Dominic or somebody like Dominic who can really, really take a look at that and help you get a, a, a better sense of what's really happening there so we can get this uh, yeah. this fixed. So Dominic, just a few last things. And I, I always ask everybody that comes on Pivot to First these questions. So what's, <laughs> sure. your, like, like, what, what's your favorite book? My favorite book, just any book, fiction, it's okay. Sure. It doesn't have to be a business book. Uh, I'll give a nonfiction and a fiction book. So nonfiction, um, for sure, business book, the one that's really affected how I think is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, classic book. Um, I read that in high school and a lot of my high school friends read it and we thought like, wow, this is the greatest stuff ever. And I still think a lot of those principles nowadays, I already used one of them, which was, you know, I started out with, like, keep the goal in mind, keep the end in mind. Um, another one I love is like create win-win situations, stuff like that, that, you know, you just think out throughout the day. One fiction book I really loved reading lately, um, East of Eden by John, John Steinbeck. It's a classic American novel from the 1950s and or i'm not exactly the exact time timeline there but it, it was a longer book 800 900 pages or so but it was quite the adventure to read definitely an amazing study into um the the, the human person the human person really 
Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Um, Lord of the Rings, number one, definitely up there. Trilogy, the trilogy, the original trilogy. I feel like whenever I watch a movie, I'm always just comparing it to okay it wasn't like lord of the rings but it was okay i was like oh it was close to lord of the rings you know that's when i know that okay that's my number one movie <laughs> okay and is, is there anything else you want to share with the audience um you ended with you know let's start a conference get a conversation going about your creative marketing i think that's the best way to start understanding these things you know i talk with recruiters every day all day and a lot of the times they just need someone to bounce ideas off of. They just need to understand better how, how everything works. Because you got these recruiters, they might be amazing on the one-to-one -one interviews and the conversations, but they don't quite have an overarching idea of, you know, what's the big picture with job board advertising and all this other stuff. And they feel a bit overwhelmed. So, um, yeah, we definitely want to, you know, help you out there, um, get, get, your, uh, get you a handle on your advertising and, in the end, help you make more hires. All right, Dominic, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, for everybody else out there, hope you have a great day today. Thank you, Mike.